Shalom, greetings, and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Today we are resuming our study in the Acts of the Apostles. We're ready for chapter 22, which really starts a series of chapters where Paul is kind of forced to give uh, his defense, right? He's been arrested. Uh, if you remember um, last week, uh, Paul had the warnings, or two, really two weeks in a row, two chapters in a row, Paul, Paul had the warnings that if he goes to Jerusalem, what awaits him is chains. And uh, he knew this going in. He was told it by a prophet. Um, he was It was confirmed to him by the Holy Spirit, to him personally. He knew this was going to be the result. Uh, but he also knew uh, that he had to do this. Like... So Paul's making the choice to go into a place to preach the gospel, knowing that the result is going to be persecution and imprisonment. So this first defense that we're going to be reading about this morning, uh, so we got like 30 verses to get through, so not a lot, but I didn't want to just compound these because um, there's like four chapters of Paul giving defense because I don't want us to miss any important doctrinal truths or anything like that. So his first defense is before the Jewish people. And if you remember last week, I kind of complained to how the chapter ends in kind of an odd place. So if we go to last week's chapter 21, it, it ends with verse 40, which says, When he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the stairs motioned to the people with his hand, and when there was a great hush, he spoke to them in the Hebrew dialect, saying, and then he moves on to chapter 22. So that's what we're going to be picking up on today. His defense to the Jewish people. He's going to speak to them in Hebrew because they're going to pay a lot more attention, and he's going to remind, or he's going to tell them, rather, because they don't know this about him, uh, his education background. And which will make a point that this accusation that's being made against him by the Jews, which is that he doesn't care about the law, uh, is completely absurd because he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, right? He was zealous for the law of God and still is zealous for the law of God. And so that accusa accusation is absolutely absurd. And uh, so he's going to point that out uh, by just giving his background, and then he starts to give his defense. He's going to tell his testimony about what he saw. Like, how did he convert from being one who was persecuting Christians even unto death, arresting them? How did he go from being a guy that stood there and held the coats while Stephen, the first Christian martyr, was stoned to death and Paul sat, stood there holding coats, agreeing with what was happening. How did he go from that to risking his life and spending 25% of his ministry time in prison and in chains? How did he, what happened? And he tells the story of the road to Damascus. So that's kind of what is on our agenda for this morning. We're going to read chapter 22. Real quick, the website is scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to support this mission, this work uh, that we're doing on this channel here. 
and uh, I appreciate your support. There's also a couple of blog posts up there. I'm trying to do a little more writing on the website when I can, when I have time. And uh, so that's there for you, scriptureandprophecy.com. All right. Without further delay, let's dig in. Chapter 22, The Acts of the Apostles, Paul's Defense Before the Jews. Let's start with verse 40 again from the previous chapter. When he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the stairs, motioned to the people with his hand, and when there was a great hush, he spoke to them in the Hebrew dialect, saying, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense which I now offer to you. When they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you all are today. Please note, that statement that he's making about studying under Gamaliel is extremely important. Let me just read you a little uh, note here. So, Gamaliel, Paul studied, this Gamaliel, Paul studied under him. He was the most celebrated rabbi of that day. Which was further evidence that the charges against him were absurd. These charges being... uh, that he wasn't zealous for the law or was opposed to the law. As a student of Gamaliel, Paul received extensive training both in the Old Testament law and in the rabbinic traditions. Also, though he didn't mention it to the crowd in this instance, he, Paul, had been a Pharisee. So in light of all that, the charge that Paul was opposed to the law was ridiculous. So that's the kind of the point that Paul's making. He's, he's bringing up his background. He's saying, I studied under Gamaliel. All of you know who that is. He's the most celebrated rabbi of the day. I grew up under him learning, right? And then he says, furthermore, I persecuted the way. Right, the Christian faith. If you go to verse 4, I persecuted this way to the, to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons, as also the high priest and all the council of the elders can testify. From them I also received letters to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. Verse 6. But it happened that I was on, as I was on my way approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. And I fell to the ground and I heard the voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me saw the light, to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. 
And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Get up and go on into Damascus, and there you will be told all that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. A certain Ananias, a man who was a devout, who was devout by the standard of the law, and well spoken of by the Jews who lived there, came to me, standing near, said to me, "Brother Saul, receive your sight." And at that very time, I looked up at him, and he said, "The God of our fathers has appointed you to know His will, and to see the righteous one, and to hear an utterance from His mouth." So please note. He's just, he's just telling the story. Ananias comes in, gives him his sight back, and then refers to the righteous one, which is a reference to Messiah, right? And he says, Paul, you've, you've been appointed to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear an utterance from his mouth. Uh, in the King James, it's called the just one, that just one. So righteous one, that just one. First John, uh, chapter two, John says this, my little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if a man sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, right? So it's a title here, the righteous one or that just one, the only one who can really be called righteous, right? Or just so, continuing on, verse 15, For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. And it happened. When I returned to Jerusalem, and I was praying in a temple that I fell into a trance, and I saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another I used to imprison and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of your witness Stephen was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the coats of those who were slaying him. And he said to me, Go. For I will send you far away to the Gentiles. They listened to him up to this statement. And then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. Okay, please note. So Paul gives the testimony. He does it in Hebrew. He starts with... Telling them his background. So he's connecting with the audience. Like, here's what we have in common. Here's my background. You know about Gamliel. Like, here's what's going on. But when I was on the way to Damascus to continue my persecution of the church, I saw the risen Christ. And he told me who he was. And then he told me what it is I must do. And then I was baptized. And then when I was in Jerusalem, he told me to go away to the Gentiles. So they're listening up to this point, it says. 
Once Paul brings up that he is to go and minister to the Gentiles, that's when they say, that's enough. We can't listen to him anymore. Away with him. He's got to be, you know, he's got to be dealt with. I think there's two things going on here. Number one, maybe some of them were interested in hearing about how it was wrong that Stephen was stoned. But where they really lose it is about the Gentiles. So why is that? Why is that? Here's a likely reason. I'm going to read some more notes for you. Paul's insistence that the Lord had sent him to minister to the despised Gentiles was too much for the crowd. They viewed the teaching that Gentiles could be saved without first becoming Jewish proselytes, thus granting them equal status with the Jewish people before God as intolerable blasphemy. This idea that the Gentiles could believe and be saved and be on equal footing with the Jews without actually converting to Judaism was just more than they could stomach. And so they're listening to Paul. They're listening to his testimony. Even when he brings up Jesus of Nazareth as being Lord, as being the righteous one, they don't, they're not losing it even over that. It's not till their pet doctrine is interrupted, right? Till this idea that they're not the most important people to ever live. Like, there's other people now that God is bringing into the kingdom that's that's when they can't handle it anymore. So they say away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. So now they they go from silently listening to he must be killed. Verse twenty three, and as they were crying out and throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust in the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, stating that he should be examined by scourging so that he might find out the reason why they were shouting against him that way. So the crowd gets riled up, and now the commander of the barracks is like, okay, let's beat him, right? It's time for him to be whipped, and then we'll get more information out of him. Verse 25, but when they stretched, out, when they stretched him out with the thongs, Paul said to the satyrian who was standing by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man? who is a Roman and uncondemned. So the Roman law was kind of like what U.S. law used to be like. It's the, our laws are still this way, but they're not actually abide by. But the law was, you can't, you know, do something to a person, imprison them, or, or sentence them without trial. It was the same thing in Rome. And Paul, they don't realize that Paul's also a Roman citizen. So he's saying, you're going to just go ahead and be judge and executioner and, or, and just beat me here when, when I'm a Roman citizen and I haven't been officially condemned? Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who's a Roman and uncondemned? See, it was you weren't guilty, right? Until proven guilty. Verse 26, and when the satyrian heard this, he went to the commander and told him, saying, What are you about to do, for this man is a Roman? And the commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, Yes. And the commander answered, I acquired this citizenship with a large sum of money. And Paul said, 
but I was actually born a citizen. Therefore, those who were about to examine him immediately let go of him. And the commander was also afraid when he found out that he was a Roman, and because he had put him in chains. But on the next day, wishing to know for a certain why he had been accused by the Jews, he released him and ordered that the chief priests and all the council to assemble and brought Paul, and brought Paul down to set him before them. And so that's actually the end of chapter 22. Next week, when we get to chapter 23, we'll listen to Paul's defense before the council. Um, yeah, that's so that that's going to be the place where we're going to um, where we're going to end. I'm just reading some notes here real quick. The satyrian informed a commander of Paul's citizenship, cautioning him against an act that could have ended Lysias's military career or even cost him his life. So, you know, in Rome at that time, it was taken very seriously that you couldn't, if it was a Roman citizen, you couldn't just start putting them in chains and start beating them and whipping them. You know, you had to, you had to go by the law, uh, the Roman law. And U.S. law used to be really handled that way too. Like, But now it's more like you're not innocent until you're proven innocent. Uh, so you're treated like a criminal, you're locked away, you're put in chains, you're mistreated, um, you have no rights until you can prove your innocence, if if you have the ability to prove your innocence and you can get the right lawyers and all that stuff. But used to, it was the other way around, kind of like the Roman law, where you couldn't just, you had to, you couldn't mistreat a, an American citizen without going through the proper channels and laws and they were innocent until proven guilty uh, but that argument and rant is for another day but that's what's happening here so now Paul is going to go before the council and we'll read about that defense next week I just uh, you know Paul there's a re it's amazing what Paul was willing to do for the gospel and I think a lot of it has to do with he knew that he was guilty of persecuting the church, even unto death and imprisoning Christians. And he was told right out of the gate when he was converted, I will show you how much you will suffer for me, the Lord told him. And because he sees himself as the chief of sinners, because he had persecuted the church, he's more than willing to be chained, to be beaten, and to die for the faith. And if it weren't for the Apostle Paul, we wouldn't have the Christian faith like we have have it today. He is the the one who got the Gentiles, got those planted all those churches, and we have all those letters that he wrote to those churches, and we have such I think as Christians today, thousand couple thousand years removed from Paul, we don't realize uh the benefits that we have today and the access that we have today um, because of his sacrifices. All right. That's the end for this morning. I hope I didn't bore you with my commentary. Hopefully uh, you've been blessed this morning. You've been strengthened and encouraged by God's word. And, and, and that's what I'm, that's my prayer for all of you this morning. 
Thanks for listening. Thank you for your support and thank you for your prayers. Peace and grace be with all of you. Until next time, God bless.